Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church Conway. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. Thanks for listening. Wherever you are, however you are listening, whether it's live or later on in the podcast, we are so glad that you are connecting with the Second Family. This last week, you know, Y'all remember we had this weird cold snap. It came through. It was Tuesday. Tuesday, all of a sudden, everybody was talking about how it was going to it was going to freeze. And I uh, I was not familiar with this late April freeze thing. You know, we've never lived this far up north before. And so as we as we came up in in this area, and and so uh, I was getting a little nervous about it. And so I've, I've, I was trying to hide it though, because I'm a grown up. You're not supposed to be afraid of the freeze. And so, um, but I was thinking, am I supposed to do something and drip the faucets or, or do some minor plumbing or something? And so I asked some friends and they were like, yeah, if you have flowering plants outside, if they've already flowered, then go ahead and wrap those things up. But the rest would be fine. That's what they said. The, the rest should be fine. And I was like, eh, I mean, um, the plants that I do have flowering in my yard, uh, it's like a ring of flowers and then a, a crown of death. Uh, if the, is that anybody else's plants? Just the top are brown and there's little flowers. I, they're fine, you know, and so I didn't really much worry about it. I was leaving the, um, the driveway, though, on the way to a meeting up here. And I noticed our neighbor was out there uh, just really carefully uh, covering all of her flowers. And I felt, well, maybe I should do something, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe this is serious, you know. And as I got all the way out of the driveway, two houses down, she was also covering her plants there. And I felt middle-aged peer pressure. I thought, uh, I need to cover my flowers. This is the first time I've ever been really worried about this. And so I need to cover these. And so I get uh, Jackie on the phone. I'm like, Jackie, we need to cover the flowers. And she's like, okay, with what? I said, I don't know, like uh, plant blankies or something. You just get out there and get those things covered. We had just planted a tree and I was seriously considering running an extension cord out there with a little space heater on our, on our tree because I was not sure what we're supposed to do, you know? And so I get home from the meeting and, and uh, my boys had, had made a, a, a pretty good effort at covering the majority of these, these flowers with towels and, and beach towels and stuff like that. I'm convinced one of them grabbed their bedspread and put it over across these, because that's what was on, like three of them, uh, one of their bedspreads, you know, but we got to do what we got to do, y'all. This is suburban area. And so we got out there, covered that, and I was feeling prepared. I felt good. I went out there, checked everything, tucked them in real nice before bed. And I was feeling good about our tucked in plants. We are prepared, right? We're grown-ups. The next morning I walk out and, I, and Jackie's standing there. She's in the living room. She's already got a cup of coffee. And she says to me, she says, did you leave the sprinkler on? And I said, no, it's ridiculous. Why would I leave the sprinkler on? It was freezing last night. I don't leave the sprinkler on. She said, driveway looks like you left the sprinkler on. And so I go out to the driveway and sure enough, Jackie left the sprinkler on the night before. I don't know why she did that. Very big oversight. And so I go outside in my, um, you know, my, my, uh, my chacos and my shorts and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull these, uh, these blankies off of the plants and I kid you not, I reached over to grab one of them and it came up like a straight frozen dome. It's just a frozen fabric dome is what I covered those plants in. So I was like, well, we're going to see if I killed the whole yard. Um, I did not. 
uh, I think it made a little igloo effect. In fact, I've, I would suggest next time it freezes to leave your sprinkler on. It did good. It did really good. In Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22, there's a lot of prep work going down, right? There's a lot of preparations happening. As much as I felt like we were prepared, I ended up not being all of that prepared. This chapter starts with evil people wanting to silence Jesus, preparing for the night trial. They went as far as finding a fake witness and bribing him. They were so ready for this trial in which they were going to finally put a stop to Jesus. Ironically, Jesus is also making preparation. Jesus and his friends, they are preparing for what is called the Passover, this Passover meal. And together, these two things, these two forces of both good and bad, of light and dark, they mingle together in such a way that it is going to change human history. It also begs the question, and it asks the question of every single person who is reading Luke and every single one of you sitting in this room today, those of you who are listening on the podcast later or watching live in your own homes, this is the question that everyone has to answer. Are you ready for what's next? Are you ready for what is about to happen? Let's pray together and then we will look specifically at 7 through 13. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the beauty of a multi-generational church. A church that comes together and, and celebrates a whole weekend of our students gathering together from all over the city. More than one church coming together to make much of you with a, with a talented band that's going to lead their hearts towards worship. And ours here today as the message is delivered this weekend, as students make decisions, God, I pray that the, the students, the, uh, the high schoolers, the junior high, they would lead out in this weekend as they take steps towards chasing you. God, I pray people of all ages would do the same this morning. God, I pray that our hearts would be prepared for not only what happens next in this drama, not only what happens next in this service, but also, God, whatever happens next when we breathe our last, when we step from this world into the next, God, I pray that we are prepared. It's in Jesus' name that we pray together. Amen. Luke 22, verse 7. This is what God says. This is what Luke wrote down, the Word of God. And then the day of unleavened bread came. When the Passover lamb was to be sacrificed, it's specific. It's a certain day, the day of unleavened bread. And Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. Listen, he said to them. Jesus says to them, when you've entered the city, a man carrying a jug of water will meet you. Follow him into the house. He enters. Tell the owner of the house. The teacher asks you, where is the guest room and where can I eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Make preparations there. So they went and found it just as he had told them and they prepared the Passover. I don't know if you noticed, but four times, you should have noticed, but four times there's some sort of variation of the word prepare or preparations in this text. That's the theme. That's what's going on here. The whole thing is about preparations. The emphasis here is on preparations. 
I alluded to this last week. If you didn't, if you weren't a part of that, you can go back and watch that. But this is a drama that is coming to a head right here in the next 24 to 48 hours. The, the forces of evil are standing up against God and Jesus. And there's going to be this massive uh, a climax to the story. In fact, in verse 3, which we didn't read, but you can skim it with your eyes there, Luke tells us that Satan himself is involved in the preparation, the, the preparation for the night trial. All of creation is paying attention to what is happening right now in these moments in Jerusalem. And it matters. It makes history. It makes a massive difference. What they are preparing for in the 7 through 13, as Jesus told them to go and find a place and make preparations there, is an ancient Jewish meal, a festival, a, 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 a spiritual practice known as the Passover. It happened at, during the Day of Unleavened Bread. It was a specific day on a, on a specific time. As many of you know, the Christian church, the church that we are a part of, has, has two special spiritual practices or, or habits. The first one is, is called the Lord's Supper, and that's what this meal becomes to us. They practice for thousands of years the Passover meal, and Jesus gives us this meaning, and it becomes the Lord's Supper for us. The other practice is baptism. We're going to spend this morning looking at that first one and even participating in it as well. So these two Christian practices develop out of this, but the Lord's Supper is where we're going to focus. Focusing in on that text, look at that word prepare or preparations. It says it, like I said, four times in that text. And I want to share with you just a couple of ideas or thoughts that are brought through the Bible when it speaks of preparation. Verse 7 Verse 7 says that then the day of unleavened bread came when the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Verse 7 ties the Lord's Supper to the day of unleavened bread and a specific meal at the end of it called the Passover. This is a specific meal with a specific date and a specific yearly day with a specific meaning. It memorializes and celebrates the day and the, and the practice in which God delivered Israel from uh, Egyptian slavery. That's what they are practicing. That's what they're thinking of as they are celebrating this. And they are thinking back thousands of years before at a time when none of them existed, when none of them were even thought of to this moment in which God saves them or redeems their people out of slavery. And he did it historically on a certain day. And so all of this has this very specific, certain aspect to it. There is a certain day in which God frees people by his power and his grace. Now in this text, what we see is several millennia after that happens, that it was never really about the black sheep, right? It was about the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. It wasn't about the one lamb that every year, every family was to sacrifice and eat to take away the sins or to atone for their sins. It was, that was just pointing towards what John the Baptist would call of Jesus, that he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Every year, every Jewish family sacrificed a lamb and ate the lamb, and that was to symbolize the atonement, that there would be a blood sacrifice for their rebellion against God. It always pointed towards a day in which a sacrifice would be made once and for all. 
That just as this lamb covered the sins of that family, this lamb, Jesus, would cover the sins of all who believe. A specific meaning, a specific person, a specific date and time in which it was pointing towards. Verse 8. Verse 8 says, And then Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Jesus asked Peter and John, a couple of his friends and students, to go and make preparations for an actual meal. Now, I know I'm talking about like the spiritual and the symbolism to it, the allegory, all the things that are pointing toward Jesus. But in reality, in real time, they are preparing for an actual real meal, which means that they're going to need a space to hold this meal. They're going to need uh, furniture to eat on. They're going to need uh, forks and knives and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. They had four cups in this meal and a lamb that was to be uh, prepared. All of this is happening. And all of this is something that Peter and John were in charge of making sure happened. But if you notice in verse 12, they find the place. They have a big room that's furnished with all of the things that they need. And Jesus says, in that room, make preparations. There was more than just the meal or the room or the table or the cutlery. There was this symbolism and this sacrifice and these ceremonies in which the people preparing to take the Passover would prepare their hearts. They would personally prepare their hearts to remember what it is that God had done for their people. Verse 7 reminds us of a a very specific uh, um, meaning and time and date. Verse 8 reminds us of a personal preparation for the meal and participating in that meal. That's simple. That's the summary. But it's helpful for us to prepare as we prepare to take what we call the Lord's Supper. I wanted to, I wanted to show you that sometimes we take the Lord's Supper, you'll gather together as a church and, and you'll take the wafer and you'll drink the juice and, and we skip right to that meaning. But I wanted to take that practice out of just something that you grew up doing at the end of a business meeting four times a year and put it in the history and in the time and in the culture of what's going on in the text. This is what they were thinking. This is what they were feeling. These people in this story are participating in a meal that memorializes something that happened millions of years before they uh, existed. Not millions, thousands of years, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, millennia is thousand, not million, all right. Thousands of years before they even existed. Man, that just goes down the wrong trail in certain circles. My bad. All right, so they, they are memorializing something that happened millennia, which is thousands of years before. This is what's going on. And it's the same for us. Listen, as we partake in the Lord's Supper, none of us were there. None of us were at Calvary. But as we take that meal, we are, we are participating in the reality of what happened. We are saying that just as God freed the nation of Israel, just as God freed the Jews from the captivity of the Egyptians and and made a way through the armies and through the Red Sea, then God still makes a way through our sin, through our rebellion, and through our personal pride. So here's the invitation. The meal that we are about to take, hear, hear me on this, the meal that we are about to take is exclusive. It is only for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. It is only for those who truly believe with everything that they have that Jesus did make a way for our freedom from sin. 
Only those people who have, who have declared, who have believed in their hearts and confessed with their mouth that Jesus has saved them. That's what this meal is for. It's exclusive. But here's the really cool thing about it. While the meal is exclusive, the invitation is open. It is only for those who have accepted Jesus, but whosoever will can accept Jesus. And you can accept Jesus right now. There are some of you who have never done that. You have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You have never actually made the declaration that says, with the rest of us, this reality that I am broken. I am born broken. I am a sinner away from God. And Jesus is perfect. And he paid that price for me. And so I accept that price. Just 30 minutes ago, when Jaden came up to me, the 11-year-old who came up to me and asked me, what does that mean? And I want to accept Jesus as my Savior and my hero. Some of you have never done that thing. And so right now, right now in this moment is the time for you to do that. Right now. So here's what I want to invite you to do. There's a card in the seat in front of you or behind you, depending on where you're sitting. Grab that card and write, yeah, fill it out. There's a box there that says, today you are accepting Jesus as your Savior. When you check that, it's not that the card itself does anything, but it's the personal internal declaration before God that says, today I accept you. Today I acknowledge who I am. I acknowledge who you are and that I need you. That's what's happening in that moment. So I want to invite you to take that card and fill it out. Where you are, just reach out and grab that card and fill it out. Some of you are doing what I call going with the flow. Sometime, long time ago, a friend invited you to church. Maybe not that long ago. Uh, or your family was going to church or something like that. And so you just kind of got in the water and started floating down the stream. And you've, you've always been doing that. You've just always been floating down the stream. And so when you hear a preacher stand up and every Sunday you hear me say this and, and I'm calling you out of darkness, out of the kingdom of death, into the kingdom of light, you're sitting over there going, but that's not me. I'm not out there like joining the antichrist movement. I'm a good person. I'm always here at church. And listen to me, hear me say this. You are, you are a good person. And I like you. I like you a lot. I like you so much to tell you this. That ain't enough. You don't just go with the flow and, and go down the stream. At some point, you have to stop just floating in the stream and make a stand in the water to stand up and say, I personally believe. And so today, April 25th, 2021, is your specific day. It's your specific time. It's your specific meaning. And you might be sitting there thinking, I've gone with the flow so long. I got the t-shirt. I've gone with the flow so long that I know all the songs. I can tell you the story that he's about to say. If I grab that card, if I even look over at that card, then I'm going to be judged by those who are around me. And let me tell you this, because it is true. Ain't nobody going to judge you. In fact, every person that is sitting next to you will celebrate in that moment. In fact, if you're sitting really close to somebody right now and you reach over to that um, card and grab that card out right now, they've been praying for you for a long time. They want you to do that. Christ wants you to do that. I want you to do that. You can't just go with the flow. You have to take a stand in the water. 
You have to stand up and accept him. And so what I'm saying is whether or not you are just now confronted with this reality or if you've known it for a long time and you've never made that personal decision, reach out, grab that card, fill out that card, and do it now. Everyone, when you, when you came in today, you should have received what we call the elements. All right, these are the elements of the Lord's Supper. It's prepackaged, all prepared for you. You like how we did that? They're prepared. And I want to make sure that everybody has it. It's all together. There's a wafer on top that is a bread-like substance. And then there is juice underneath. And if you didn't receive one of these, some of our deacons and ministers, they're ready to get them to you. So if you need one right now, um, you didn't receive it, you didn't grab one out of the, just raise your hand up, keep your ears open. We've got a couple of them right over here. Just raise your hand up, keep your hand up. There's some right down here. Um, there are deacons that are going to come bring those to you real quick. Right down here and right over there. They're going to bring those to you. We've got a couple over here with the college students. So make sure that you have those. Make sure that you are holding those. Continue to listen and hold those in your hands. There are two layers to it. There's a clear plastic layer that has like wheat on it. If you pull that back, you'll get the wafer. And then there's a tab. If you pull the whole thing back, you'll get the juice. All the preparations were completed. And Jesus and his students gathered together in that room that night. The night, listen, the night of the night trial. They all gathered together in that room and they had an elaborate meal that over time had boiled down into the two most meaningful parts, a, a piece of bread and a drink of juice. We've boiled it down in that. This is nowhere close to what it is that Jesus participated in. Verse 14 says, and when the hour came, specific time, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And then he said to them, I have fervently desired, I have really wanted to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. This meal is tied forever with the suffering of Jesus. I want you to take that small wafer out of that packet if you didn't already noisily do that a minute ago. Take that wafer out, hold it up just a minute. Not like, not like one of the saints in paintings, just hold it up here just like this. I want you to hold it out and think. Think about it and think about what it means. He said that it represents his body given for you. He paid the price for your sin so that when you eat it, you are thanking him for taking your place. He paid your debt. Verse 19 says he took the bread and he gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to them. And he said this, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let me pray and thank God for that sacrifice that he made. And then when I say amen, you can eat it. God, thank you for this sacrifice. Thank you for the sacrifice that you accomplished on that cross those thousands of years ago. So God, even though we were not personally, physically there, in this moment, we participate in it. We celebrate in it. We thank you for what you did, that you paid the debt that we could not pay, that you paid the price that we had no way of paying, the debt we owed. You stood in between us and the bullet that we fired at ourselves, that we deserve to die, that we deserve to be rejected and isolated. But you took that on yourself so that we can have life, that we can be accepted, that we can be a part of the family, adopted and included. So God, as we, as we take this piece of bread, we we, we give you thanks 
We give you our gratitude. We are so very humbled by what you did, even though you didn't have to for us. So God, as one church redeemed by your son, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now take that cup, pull that tab. You don't have to pull the thing completely off. Hold that cup out just a little bit. And as you hold it out, think on it. This bit of juice represents the blood. It's a blood promise. He is saying that which he started, he will finish. It means that when he said, I have gone to prepare a place for you and I will come again, he meant it and he's going to do it. He made that promise and we drink it, thanking him for that promise and trusting that he will bring it to fruition. Verse 20 says that he took the cup and after giving thanks, he said this, take this and share it among yourselves. Let me pray and then we will drink when I say amen. God, thank you for the promise that you made. We know that you sacrificed, but it wasn't just your body that was broken, it was your blood that was spilled. And so in this, God, we remember the promise. God, that no matter how dark or mean or scary or cutting this world might be, all of the division and the hurt and the pain that we feel every day as we walk through this life, we keep our eyes up upon you knowing that there will come a day when you will come and receive us and we will see you as you are. God, that you walk with us in and now and that one day we will see you as our Savior. So God, we celebrate the promise knowing that when we trust you, you seal us with your blood. So God, thank you for the bread. Thank you for the juice and what they mean in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray together as one. Amen. What's so encouraging and exciting really is that the preparation and the invitation is still active today. It didn't run out and it's not over. If you've accepted Jesus as your savior, then you now have the opportunity to invite other people into what Jesus, what God prepared for them before the foundations of the earth. You have the moment right now, you have the opportunity with all of the relationships and the friendships that you have to include other people in to this beautiful story that started thousands of years before Jesus and continues on thousands of years after he ascended. Like this. I heard a story recently about a, um, a college student. She went to, she went to university and um, her professor her professor invited her to, to go to worship services. She had heard about Jesus before in her childhood, but her professor invited her on. And, that, uh, and they went to church together and that prepared the way, that opened the way for her to one day accept Jesus as her savior. A little later on, another college student befriended her and invited her into college ministry. And it was there that she heard about Jesus and that friend invited her, prepared the way for her to ultimately accept Jesus as her Lord and Savior. It was a beautiful story. It's an amazing story. And I, I could tell you more about it, but what would be even better is if y'all would listen to her as she shares with you. Y'all watch this video. I was
was born in China and Taiwan. Taiwan has less than 30% of Christian, and I grew up in a family which has a different religion. So I didn't hear anything about Jesus till I was six or seven. My neighbor invited me to go to church with her, and that's the beginning of my story. I don't really have any Christians around me, so I didn't get to learn or talk more about this after I back home. To be honest, the only time I read Bible was when I was at church. I decided to come to UCA and join an exchange program in music education when I was a junior. You know what? No matter how many times I look back about this decision, I know this is God's plan for me. I came to UCA in fall 2018. People from second, day by day, they were showing me how God loves me, how God has the love for me. And I found a peace in the middle of the mess. That's the very big transition for me. I decided to follow Jesus. I started to pray more often. I started to hang out with friends again. And I started to be more involved in second. Looking back, it was a really hard decision to study abroad because America is super far from my family. Here is super far from Taiwan. But you know what? I will never regret about this decision because my faith has grown a lot and I know God is always has a plan for me, no matter who I am or where I am. I started to learn how to love people more, like how Jesus loves people. And I also got an opportunity to show what I believe last year because of the pandemic. I flew back to Taiwan. I flew back home and stayed there for almost a year. It was really, I was really sad and didn't know why God would have me to go back home. But now when I think back, I know God has a purpose for me. When I was in Taiwan, I finally got to share what I believe with my mom in person for the very first time. Because I follow Jesus, I am joyful no matter how stressed or long, how lonely I feel because I know that God always has a plan for me and He always will. I would love to have you guys to pray for my mom and my family to follow Jesus.
church. This is Becky. She's the one in the video. This is Katie. She's the one who included her into our student ministry. Also, here's the cool thing. That professor that I told you about, their family uh, not too long ago moved down to Houston to, to teach down there. They, are, they flew up and they are in our service today. Would y'all welcome them into the worship service today? Like I said, the church has two special practices, the Lord's Supper and baptism. The Lord's Supper is meaningful, but if that's all we had, it would be a bit sad. That's about death and about waiting, but baptism is about the life that we walk in. And so when you go into the water, you are dying to yourself. And when you come up out of the water, then you are walking in the life of Jesus. Jesus has made you new. The water doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. The water symbolizes that. All right, Becky, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and declared that faith, recognizing that Jesus has made you new? Yes. Upon your profession and your declaration of Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.